Welcome to Crossing Over, a conversation where we look and listen with curiosity for God's presence in the stories of sacred scripture and in our own lives. I'm Sarah Nichols. And I'm Daniel Lucas. So Uh, we're in Ruth. Ruth part two. Yeah. What did we talk about last time? I think we gave a bit of an introduction. We talked about the names of the characters that we find in this book. That's right. Um, And the way that the story is set up to like all the troops that you would have in Hebrew literature would is pointing towards this not ending well. Right. At the start. So there's the author is playing with themes, mm. past themes to kind of make your mind think that it's going to go one way. Like ominous like an ominous soundtrack like yeah. having the the sort of the effect of jaws. Oh man. And in some ways it doesn't end well because all the men are dead at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I was thinking about that actually uh, coming down here today that, oh, it actually does play out the way you expect. It just the whole book doesn't, but mm. there's pieces of it. So like the, the brothers that they take for themselves, which usually doesn't end well when we take for ourselves. Well, it didn't end well for them. They died out in Moab and um, they didn't end up getting to return they to the promised land. They didn't go home. They didn't go home. Mm-hmm. So, but now the story shifts. There's a, there's a, well, let's just get into it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we read last time, what, through? I think through verse five or six. Yeah. That through the, the sons dying, Malon yeah. and Kilian died as well. And the women, woman was left of her two children and of her husband. So where do you want to read to today or right, right away? Do you want to, um, you got to. I don't, my instinct says we can finish chapter one. Okay. So well, I'm going to start. Can I can I read and <clears throat> actually just start us at the beginning so we keep that in front of us? Yeah, perfect. And then why don't you just tell me when to stop and we'll okay. talk. Okay. Uh, in the days when the judges judged, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah with his wife and two sons went to reside in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi, and his two sons were Melchon and Chilion. Ephratites of Bethlehem and Judah. They came to the country of Moab and remained there. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth, and they lived there about ten years. Then those two, Malon and Chilion, died, so the woman was left without her two sons and without her husband. She started out with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for in the country of Moab she had heard that the Lord had taken note of his people and given them food. Accompanied by her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living, and they set out on the road back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Turn back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that each of you find security in the house of a husband. And she kissed them farewell. They broke into weeping and said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi replied, Turn back, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I any more sons in my body who might be husbands for you? Turn back, my daughters, for I am too old to be married. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I was married, even if I were married tonight and also bore sons, should you wait for them to grow up? Should you, on their account, debar yourselves from marriage? Oh no, my daughters. My lot is far more bitter than yours, for the hand of the Lord has struck out against me. They broke into weeping again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law farewell, but Ruth clung to her. 
So she said, See, your sister-in-law has returned to her people and her gods. Go follow your sister-in-law. But Ruth replied, Do not urge me to leave you, to turn back and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Thus and more may the Lord do to me if anything but death parts me from you. When Naomi saw how determined she was to go with her, she ceased to argue with her. And the two went on until they reached Bethlehem. That's probably good. This is the really famous part, Ruth, that everyone seems to know. And that oddly we quote during marriage ceremonies, even though this interchange has nothing to do with marriage. But Mm. So I guess we'll go back. I'm... that I say go back because that's what Naomi says all the time in this passage is to turn back or to go back. This is a really, this is a really cool passage. If if the translator has done it well, you can hear Mm. the play on words that is going on and the the rhythm and the poetry Mm. that's in this interchange. Uh, It's really apparent in the Hebrew, but um, if your translator kind of sticks to using the same words for the same things, you kind of get to hear the rhythm of the dialogue pretty well. So there's a couple of words that get repeated quite often. And the first one is that I love that your your translation said turn back. And I think every single time it said turn back. Yep. Um, mine says turn back sometimes and it says go back other times. But that is the word shuv mm-hmm. um, in Hebrew, uh, which do you want to talk about shuv a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Oh, do I want to talk yeah. about it? I mean, it's, thoughts? well, it's what we usually translate as repent. Mm-hmm. Right, and yep. which depending on <laughs> where you've been, which types of communities you've hung out in, it has a, a different feeling. Right. right. Some of us here repent and think, you know, we're sp- we're like f- self-flagellation, right? Like, woe is me, guilt, shame. Um, and then I think, well, maybe those of us who've had the word and the idea healed, it just becomes as simple as correcting your course. You know, you're you're, you're driving down the road and there's a detour. So you turn, right? <laughs> right? You find out you went the wrong way. You're not a necessarily a bad driver. Right. You just went the wrong way. Um, I mean, literally, it means miss the mark. No, that's sin. Sorry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's the correction for is, missing the mark. It is it's the, the cor- Yes, it is that's the correction for missing the mark. Yeah. What else? I mean, I think you said it really well. I, I loved learning about this word shuv. When I started learning Hebrew and getting into this, um, because it really, it radically changed the way I saw that course correction. Yeah. Like you said, from guilt and shame and um, and all that, that was that, all that baggage that came with the way I was raised to this. No, this is just, it's a course correction. It's a, when you notice that you're off track, what do you do? Do you keep going or do you turn back? Well, and that for me is the big, big, big change. And it's translated that way here right Mm -hmm. it's she tells them um where is it she started off the first is in verse six she got up with her daughters to return back return back back, right yeah so like returning it's it's not finding something you can't or never have had Mm -hmm. now it it i mean there are ways in which everything's always new because you've never actually been where you actually are right now before as you are but you know we think 
I think when we think about the idea of sin and repentance and, and moving forward and becoming whole people, um, we think it's, it, it can, we think like it, of it as in terms of being out of reach, but even embedded in the word repent is this idea floating around. It's a returning, right? It's, it's the son who left with the money to a far off place going home, not getting somewhere you've absolutely never been before. Right. And I, I, Mentioning the prodigal son is such a great example of how Jesus plays with this shooting, this returning. Because does the son have to do anything else? Just return. That was the only thing he needed to do was turn back and return. And when he did, the father was ready with open arms and didn't require anything. It was just the act of the simple act of returning. And what's super curious about it here, too, is, like, Naomi is returning to Bethlehem. Yeah. As she's urging Orpah and Ruth to return to their mothers. And I remember the first time I studied this, and I don't want to jump ahead, but I'm already doing it. So just pull pull us back. If, um, okay. But I remember um, studying this with Rabbi Allen, and he um, saying that one of the things that we can find here is that a wise person knows they get to pick their mother and father, right? Because yeah. you have yeah. you have Orpah here going, returning to her, and we have Ruth saying, Naomi, there's something you have for me. There's something in you that I want. I'm committed to you. Whatever Whatever's going on there, there's a way in which Ruth is adopting Naomi as her mother. Or she's moving beyond daughter-in-law status. Yeah. Naomi's releasing her from obligation. Yep. And so Ruth is moving from the obligatory into the it's loyal love displayed from Ruth yep. to Naomi. Yep. Things don't always go. The, life doesn't always go the way you hope it will. And um, we are not stuck. Right. It's not lost on me that Naomi's family left Bethlehem because of the famine. So it was their their attempt at surviving, and it failed miserably. Like, they didn't survive. Only she survived with no no children, no grandchildren, nothing to carry on the name of the people. And then now she's this woman alone in a foreign land, which is a really dangerous place to be in this time period. I love, so going back to verse six, so looking at why, why does she turn back? She turns back because she hears, all the way over in Moab, she hears that the Lord has singled out his people to give them bread. The famine is over. There's bread back at home. And this sounds like Exodus too, right? It sounds like, oh, the Lord heard the cries of his people. Again, and it sounds like Exodus three to me, right? Because she is listening. She, I mean, she, to find out what's happening somewhere else, there's some sort of intention, attention that has to be paid. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting too, that you point out Exodus because Exodus is the other place in scripture so far where we have women dominant. I mean, this Ruth, the whole book is women being dominant, but in Exodus, the first two chapters are the only people named are women, and the women are the primary movers that that keep the infants safe, that make sure Moses is born and taken care of. The men are the threat, and the women are the ones who are trusting God and who are stepping up. They give birth to the Exodus. Yeah. I mean, they're right. The midwives are there. You have... Um, you have Miriam walking along. You have um, Pharaoh's daughter. I mean, you have all of these really interesting ways of looking at what does it mean to give birth to things? What does it mean right. to, to give life? Yeah. And that 
conversation that is all over it just with all the 40s happening in exodus right 40 yeah. weeks is is the length of gestation i mean i'm feminine heavy book it, even though we tend to think of exodus being all about moses but mm. that um there's all that like you said the birthing imagery the women being the um the women are the ones who stand up to the oppression and make change happen and possible. Obviously, like God is doing it <laughs> too. But the women are the ones that are being faithful and that are being used. They're the act yeah. they're the active ones. Yep. They're not passive in the story. Right. And just like they're not passive in the story here. In fact, right. they're the they're the living ones. Right. Yeah. So that is. Uh and I just love that like right it, and we'd already talked about this, but she had heard. And all of these things in our life start with list, being listening people. I mean, the Shema, right? It's <clears throat> hero Israel. Right. So you've, you've got this base, are you listening? And what comes from a listening heart? Uh, the Hebrew is fascinating, too, at the end of verse 6, right? His, so he had given them food. And it's lachem, lachem. Because you've got, right, them and food. To them. To them, yeah. And then food. Okay. So, lechem, lechem. Uh, <laughs> what a curious thing to find th- those two words, meat and meat. Um, you, uh, right, you meet somebody or you're eating meat. There's yeah. just this, they sound the same. Yeah. They're, they can be confused with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> there are also these, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. There are also these, so verse six, do you want to say anything more about there? Nope, go ahead. So verse 7, there are these moments when I read scripture where lines just jump out at me. Like like they leave the context of the page and they become contextualized. Uh-huh. And um, so accompanied by her two daughters-in-law, and then this is, she left the place where she had been living. Right? This is the second time in the story we see her leaving the place where she had been living. But this is the first time it's talked about like that way. And mm-hmm. she's not running from something. She's running towards something i mean like right you leave your family when things get bad it's an interesting move with with a lot of like why would you do that like what's what's what exists where where is it just your there's just an interesting dynamic with her family leaving during the famine did all of the families leave during the famine it doesn't sound like it especially if there's bread in bethlehem you know that there were people there who continued to participate in agriculture there are people like boaz who will you know Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll get to right but again i just she left the place where she had been living feels like an invitation to consider doing the same thing like are you living your life in a good place are you living your life in uh a place where you're honoring the presence of God in and among you and around you. Are you where you're supposed to be? Yeah. Are you where you've been invited to be? And this looks like her, well, she's shooving, she's returning home. Right. Uh, Right. When it's, when it's no longer a good place for you to be and you know that there's something better elsewhere for you, do you have the courage to return, to go back? Or to go in the first place. Hmm. Well, and then there's another layer to this shoving that I just mm-hmm. picked up on. Yeah. So, in one sense, Naomi's the only one who's returning home here. Orpa and uh, Ruth are not. Yeah. However, if you rewind all the way back to Genesis 12 and Genesis 13, where Lot and Abram separate, yep. it is a returning 
right? right? It's returning back to kinship, back to togetherness, back to right healing a wound yeah. of the the very very deep past. Um, so while yeah, Ruth isn't going home. Yes, she is. Great catch. So if you remember last week, we talked about Genesis 12 and that the um, the Moabites come from Lot. So Lot and Abram, Lot was Abram's nephew. So they are family. They're distant cousins and there is a relation and they were in the land at one point. So hmm. great catch. Hmm. Fun. Yeah. Um, all right. So she goes out from the place where she had been with her two daughters-in-law and they went with her to go back to the land of Judah. So or to turn to return that shuv there. Hmm. Um, and Lalaket, which is the word for they went, um, it's from, it's a conjugation, but um, Lakak. Um, and for they went or they um, to go, um, and that's repeated quite a bit in this passage as well, uh, not as often as shuv. But, so they, they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi says to her daughters, so uh, go back, and this is a, this is the lachach that's here. Mm-hmm. Each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord do hesed, or kindness to you, as you have done with the dead and with me. Mm-hmm. So hesed is um, it's only once in this passage, but um, we get to it some more later in Ruth. It's a pretty heavy theme of of the of the book. So Naomi is inviting them to go back home. That you don't need to come with me on this journey. You don't need to return with me. Um, it's a dangerous journey. I mentioned that before. A woman alone traveling in this time, day, day and age, was unheard of and extraordinarily unsafe. It's not. If you look on a map today, you're like, oh, that's not so far. But remember, you're walking. Well, and it's <laughs> and the terrain is. The ter- yeah. The, I mean, the climate, the terrain, depending on when this is. So, like, harvest yeah. being like what we would consider like late spring would be you know with shavuot would be the Mm -hmm. offering of the first fruits so you've got you know may so if she's hearing that there's food in bethlehem yeah the there had to be time for it to the word to make its way from there to her yep and then for her to like make her way back so we're easily in june yeah maybe july and the Judean wilderness, which is what she would have traversed. That I mean, we've, we're talking the Dead Sea. Yeah, we're, we're talking talk- modern day Jordan. It's, um, yeah, right. L- lowest place on earth. Hot, hot, hot. This is this journey is fraught with peril on yeah. all, yeah. all sides of it. There's wild animals. There's untrustworthy people. It's dangerous in every way. And it's it's crossing the Dead Sea, the Jordan. Some you know, there's some version of. It's just not not good terrain. And the Jordan at times of year is really uh, shallow and easy to cross. And there's other times of year where it's like floodwaters and really rapid rushing water. Uh, I'm not sure what it is at the time of year she's crossing. It's well, probably and, drier. And now you don't want to cross. Now you don't want to go in it. <laughs> no, it's a little bit. <laughs> I mean, you do. It's murky, and yeah. a lot of people do it because a lot of people get baptized there. We were just in it not a few weeks ago. <laughs> I was indeed. I was indeed. Um, glad I did it. But yes, but took a shower afterwards. <laughs> immediately, I brought bars of soap. Nice. So there was somebody that there was somebody in our group that wanted to get baptized there. So I took two bars of soap from the hotel we had left the night before, and I broke them in half, and then I put them in like little cardboard things, and then after baptism, I handed. I was like, 
use this. Don't just rinse off. Yeah. Anyhow. Yeah. All right. So the, may, may the Lord show or do kindness or hesed with you as you have done with the dead and with me. Do you want to talk about hesed a little yeah, bit? Yeah. Where are you? Um, verse 8, 9. Eight, uh, 8. Hesed is an 8. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Turn back each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with me. Yeah. I, I mean, hased is hased is translated a bunch of different ways. My favorite yeah. is how the New American Standard, the NASB, does it. I think it it translates it generally as loving kindness. Yeah. Um, loyal love would be another good way. Yep. Faithful. Mercy is common. Mercy is common. King James. Yep. And I mean, it just, it's the theme, right? This is the first time it sort of rings in the story of Ruth, but but it's what we're going to see continually play out over and over is an invitation to be people who are merciful, um, who are involved in being loyal and loving to each other and <clears throat> loving kindness and so it just it it resonates from here we see ruth do it with naomi we'll see naomi do it with ruth we'll see boaz do it we'll see somebody not do it um for ruth we'll see the early the kinsman redeemer that who, who has a first shot at sort of ruth say nah the upside's not there for me um so we'll just keep kind of bumping into this idea about what does it mean to be people who love each other right my favorite place, and it's not the first time the word hesed appears, but is when um, Moses is up on the mountain, and it's right after the golden calf episode, and the tablets have been smashed, and mm-hmm. Moses returns to the mountain and um, gets new tablets, and um, after having pleaded with God and God forgiving the people and all this stuff, and then it's this moment when God allows Moses to, like, he passes over Moses, and so... Uh, Yahweh passed before his face and called out, God, God, showing mercy. That's Hesed. So this is, um, God is saying this to Moses. It's like this declaration of who he is. Mm -hmm. And not just his name, but that he shows Hesed, showing favor and long-suffering and anger, abundant and loyalty and faithfulness. Um, That's again, Hesed is twice in this passage keeping loyalty to the thousands, generations, bearing iniquity, rebellion, and sin, yet not clearing the guilty. So that's, I mean, it's just this really amazing picture of God's. Will you read it again? Yeah. And Yahweh passed before his face and called out Yahweh, Yahweh God, showing hesed, showing favor, long-suffering and anger, abundant in loyalty and faithfulness, keeping hesed to the thousands of generations, bearing iniquity, rebellion, and sin. What I love about what's happening right there is it sort of contextualizes or describes hesed within the context of like long time. Mm -hmm. The faithfulness that exists, the thousand generations, right? Isn't that what it... And that built within... um, Loyal love there is a is a range of of feelings. It's not just squishy teddy bear. There's there's jealousy. There is accountability. Right? Love is accountable. Love keeps um, keeps faithfulness and responsibility. And it 
it, it but but just it's there's a loyalty there's a long there's a length there's a it's an impossible to get rid of even to a thousand generations right. i'm 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 with you in these ways yeah good luck getting rid of me hmm. yeah it's interesting too that here we have the moabite being the the one who's being who's practicing chesed yeah i mean i don't i mean i don't know if you want to get into it or not <clears throat> why naomi is sending them back is a curious a curiosity because the given reason is there's no future for you with me right i mean that is the 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 leveret the 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 weird marriage thing the thing she's talking about is um brothers would marry the the their why their brother if their if a brother's brother died he, the brother who lived would marry the wife um and so then the line could continue yeah. for the brother they yeah. have children and the children right. they have belong to the name of the brother not right. to the not to the one she's currently married to right it's a way of passing on the name because going back into like the torah that having your name continue for generation to generation right. is very very important because right. it's the it's the lineage it's how you are attached to the land is through your your tribe it's everything through, it's everything to be right. and you know everyone was allotted land when they came in so like to not have to lose that is to lose everything it's to lose your connection to the land right. um it's a welfare practice it's right. for the the well-being that those who live there can fare yeah. well right yes. that's the but but Naomi's saying, listen, even if like you gotta wait, you're gonna wait 15 years, and I'm not even married, the, the, right? Like, or I'm, I I don't have any prospects, right? So we're 20 years out, right? Uh, so so go, but then also there is this other layer to this where who's Naomi bringing home with her, right? A foreigner, an outsider, and not good an ones. enemy, right? The not good ones. Right. Um, and just when things have taken a good turn, when the famine has left, right? So, you know, the sup the, the more superstitious um, might be inclined to go, get them out of here. Right. So I so the given reason is listen, there's no future for you with me, but underneath all of it is a pretty easy layer to access of like you harm my future if you're with me. Right. So so Pick your, you know, pick your poison or do what I do. Go, yeah, it's probably both, right? Naomi's probably feeling all the things. And she's just saying, look, it's better for everybody if you don't come with me. And Ruth, for some reason, has attached herself to Naomi. Even though Naomi keeps saying, like, go away, go away, go away, right? She's like the stray dog <laughs> uh, yeah. who just, right? But, like, just loves her. And I don't necessarily mean squishy feelings, although we have that, right? They, uh, um, verse 9, and she kissed them farewell, and they broke into weeping. This is a deeply emotional, a moment of deep feeling. And so that's part of it for sure, but we have this way in which love is also just, it's enacted in our lives right. by the things we choose, by the things we go, you're, the things we value, or yeah. the things we, we set aside for. When I think about what these women have have gone through together, we're talking they they were married and they're around ten years. Um, we don't know exactly how long that 
of that they were married. But in this culture, if you don't have a kid within the first couple of years of being married, like that's infertility. They don't have birth control. They don't have ways of uh, family planning and things like that that are is abundantly clear to them at this point. So you're married and you're not pregnant within a couple of years. You're, you're facing infertility, which is put on the women. So you have two women who are infertile by all standards of the time. Um, turns out Ruth is not actually infertile, but um, surprisingly, sickness and destruction were the ones infertile. Um, but uh, they've been there for each other as they've suffered this. And whatever community they've been in is probably judging them that, well, what's wrong with this family that both these women can't get pregnant? Um <laughs> They're facing that together. They're holding each other in that. And then all their husbands have died and they've sat with each other in the grief of that as well as the grief of the infertility that they've dealt with. They've been through it together. And it, it's, it shouldn't be super surprising that all these women are really bonded together because mm. this is their experience. And this is a time when you live with your husband's family, like you're in a, a unit. You don't go off and have your own place. 30 miles outside of town or whatever. Yeah. Like you're all there together. You're sharing tents, you're sharing the cooking responsibilities and all those things. So these women are extraordinarily bonded to one another. Mm. Right. I mean, part of where this moves back into, well, Naomi says, my lot is far more bitter than yours. There's a point here upon which she decides to elevate her suffering. And I think she's making them, I think she's making the mistake of quantifying, right? Like, okay, so she lost her husband and her sons. Is that more painful, more bitter than losing your husband and not having any children? Right? Like, she is doing what we all do when we suffer, which is she is stuck on herself. Yeah. Although, I'm not sure I agree with that. What do you mean? Well... I think for her, the the bitterness comes, I think she's looking at her daughters-in-law with love and that she wants them to return because I think part of this, that my bitterness is greater than yours because I'm old. She's just gone through this whole, like, I I can't have more kids at this point. And even if I could, you guys would have to wait however many long years. Like my my lot in life at this point is more bitter than yours because you still have opportunity. Mm. Like you could return home and get married and have a family still it's not over for you because you're young it's over for me sure i think is what i think that's where she's coming from i'm yeah. old this my time has passed i can't there's nothing left for me hmm. i just have to go back to bethlehem and hope one of my family members takes me in hmm. and helps feed me but hmm. you you could return home and you could find another husband you could hmm. and I, I do think she's not seeing well that like it's over for her because it's not. But I think I think her sight is actually more on. It's not so selfish in the mm. moment. I think she sees hope and prospect for them, but she doesn't for herself. But I don't I don't know that she's minimizing the grief that they felt. Maybe she is. Oh, right. That's the fun. And if it was me, it'd be both. Yeah, I think is probably what would be yeah, true. And it very well might be. Okay, what's next? Well, okay, I, I would like to mention something. So when she says, may the Lord do hesed with you as you've done with the dead and with mm-hmm. me, and then may the Lord grant you find a settled place. Um, that word is manoah. It means rest. It's the same word for Noah in 
or the, it's not the exact same word, but it's the same root. They share the root. Uh, Noah's name means rest. Um, and the first time we see that word is in the garden again. So there's, I feel like there's been a handful of references to the garden in this. Um, but when God puts Adam into the garden, he rests him into the garden. It's this word to Noah or to rest. So what does it mean to find a settled place or a rested place? I feel like that's it's way more deep than just finding a home. I think the usual translation is placed, and usually I've not liked that. In Genesis or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. It usually doesn't read God rested them or comforted Correct. them, right? It's yeah. usually God placed them. Yeah, I don't know anywhere that they actually translate it as rested. Right, and so usually I'm I get cranky. I'm like, come on! Uh, you know, but again, I, I, my, my, f- um, compassion for translation ebbs and flows here. I would love that word like placed. I think of, I'm thinking about placement and mm-hmm. I'm thinking about like, you know, like oh, you're getting placed in a, a home, you're being placed in a family. I'm thinking about, um, Psalm 27, um, you know, though, the, though mother and father forsake me. The Lord shall take me up. I'm thinking about the other psalm where it talks about how the Lord places the um, the orphan in a family, mm-hmm. and how uh, how how that word comfort, rest, place, um, secure security, right? Or what do you have? What is your a you know, settled place? A settled place. So so my translation has secure. Yeah, what a sweet what a sweet wish. I like secure place, and I think I. That comes back to what I was speculating about Naomi, that she's wishing for them to have a secure place. And she knows that's not with her. With her... Totally. The future with her is insecure. Now there's, there are two widows or three widows. Right. 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 There's no there's no way to know. It's, it's certainly not secure. It's a risky move. And there might be answers on the other side. But it's definitely not secure and safe. And it hasn't been for no. a while. Right. For Naomi, further back, right? We don't know when the tragedy starts for, for Ruth and Orpah, but we know that Naomi's hardship starts all the way back to the naming of her children, it, depending on right. if you think they're the given names or the storied names or whatever. But it seemed, it could indicate that she's been feeling pretty dark for a while. Okay. Um, I just had a thought. So... I'm looking at Genesis 2.15, which is where God rests Noah into the is it, you, Not what, Noah, but Is it placed usually? Is that what you have? Or what well, is? this one says settled. but So then uh, Yahweh Elohim took the human and settled him, that's the Noah, into the Garden of Eden to serve it and to keep it. Okay, so Eden is not a great translation. It's, we've... We decided to name. Sure, sure. Okay. This is one of those things in Hebrew, we, um, the translators at different points have decided where to actually translate the Hebrew into English versus translating it as a name of a place. Transliteration versus actually. Translation. Yeah. Yep. So Eden is one of those words that has got transliterated and we call it, we, we see it as a proper noun, but it's not necessarily a proper noun in Hebrew. Um, Eden, the word Eden means delight. So um, there's a way of reading it that so he was settled the human into the garden of delight to serve it and to keep it. Um, 
What does Naomi's name mean? Uh, beautiful or pleasant. Or delight. Yeah. My delight. So they're, it's not the same exact word, but they have the same meaning mm-hmm. in them. So we have... They're cinnamons. <laughs> There's a synonym, yes. right? Yeah. So Naomi is asking her daughter-in-laws to return mm. and asking that God would do kindness to them and that God would grant them to find a settled place. Mm. And turns out Ruth's settled place is with Naomi in delight. So we have this play on what happens in the Garden of Eden right here in the middle of Ruth. They just don't know it yet that she is the settled place. And this is before she changes her name to bitterness. She's still a delight at this point. Mm. Well, and what's Orpah's future? Like, what do you do with that? Do you go, Orpah's out? Because she went back? Or, for me, it's this like deep question of, does God stay with people? Yeah. Does God keep? pursuing people um it, let's just say we we label ruth says the good choice and orpah's as the bad choice that orpah should have gone with i think that's an overly simplified view i don't necessarily think that it's helpful i'm not sure but let's just stick with it for a moment and let's expose the problems right the problem with reading it that way is that that you for we for not you like like you read it this way sarah the problem when we read scripture that way when we think about God that way is, well, beginning with sort of the secondary issue is it creates this fatalistic performance-based thing where if you miss it, then you've missed it yeah, and it's over. And the primary thing being, that's not how God works in scripture. And if we do what you just did, we go back to Genesis, right? The people leave delight. Where's God? Still with them. Still with them. God has never left them. Yeah. Ever. Right. I go right to like Jesus's words right at the end of Matthew. Like I'm, I am with you always. Mm -hmm. Or what the father says to the older son who never left, but clearly had left. My son, all I have is yours. Everything, everything of mine is yours. There's nothing that's, that's a, a way or a part. So I, I like to imagine that there's a different thread God's weaving with Orpah. I, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I think this, we see that God is does show hesed to Ruth in this. And her story of hesed comes through following Naomi. But Naomi has asked this for both of these women. And if we see it in one, we can assume that it's hopefully true in the other. Okay, what if, I I like big grandiose statements that usually end up being like, yeah, that's really good, but they end up being less. But what if we understood the goal of our life to be learning to accept and live in God's chesed for us? Like, that's it. All we have to do is to learn to live within it, right? Mm -hmm. To, To learn to be to be placed in a in a in a place to be comforted rested to be you know calmed our anxiety all of the things that we're feeling our fears about the future about how things will work out will there be bread will there not be bread will there be water who will be there for us how do we make our future happen how do we stop our futures and our presence from falling apart what if 
the only thing we have to do in our life is to learn how to live within God's love that we can never earn, is, is faithful and loyal to us right where we are for forever, and that's it. Mm. I'm in on that. Yeah. You, were, you were writing f- furiously over there. Oh, I just wanted to put notes in my okay. thing about what we were talking about so that I don't forget it the next time I'm back here. Mm. Um, well, then there's okay. So then, back to that. Then that's all. Of, that's what Genesis. That's what's happening in Genesis one and two. It's what we. It's what we leave behind. We, right. The humans decide that th- they're interested in what's out beyond God. Again, back to the prodigal son, and God gives them the keys. And I don't want to go too far into. <laughs> <laughs> We could spend a whole, I mean, we could spend a whole month or two on Genesis 2 <laughs> alone because there's so much in there. And I don't know, are we going to get there when we, in a month or so? Maybe, I mean, it's a big chunk. How much are we going to get done? I don't know. We'll see what we do. Do like an eight hour um, podcast <laughs> on Genesis 2. Um, but I do think there's, um, yeah, because there's returning stuff in, that happens in there. My mind's like going 100 miles an hour right now. Um, but I think to piggyback on what you were saying, um, there's this way of seeing the Garden of Eden as a the, the Garden of Delight. It's a place where we live in the delight of God and what he has created for us. And so is it was it a physical space for Adam and Eve? Maybe, I don't know. But I think it's a place that's, available to us today even Mm. now i think this is what it looks like to live in god's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and so while it is not it is not perfected as of yet here on earth we can still live in it in a way amen i've had this thing building as we've been working through this and i realize we've we're like stuck on a few verses here and we're like swirling them around. For me, I'm good with that. Yeah. Um, right. Cause that's, this is the good thing that happens when we, when we reads the wrong word, but when we are immersed or we, or scriptures immersed in us, right. There's this like, but it's a crossing over, right. So we, we, there's a, yeah. a crossing over happening here, right. Like Ruth, is crossing over from something to something. Naomi is crossing over maybe multiple times. Like all of the people here right. are in transition. They're in. They're in. They're. They're moving. They're pilgriming. They're doing all of these different things. And while their bodies are moving, while they're negotiating the, what we would call like the the mundane parts of their life, they're asking and answering these deep, deep questions yeah. that every human everywhere is always asked, which is how will you handle, how will you live in in this world? Will you live as though there's enough? Will you live as though you're beloved? Or will you live completely disconnected and like there's like scarcity? Stuff and people are scarce. And there's this, again, invitation to be people who cross over to live in God's faithful love, mm-hmm. God's chesed, to trust a future that's for us. And yeah. will, we, will we do that Right. when we hear the invitation? Yeah. When we hear, come, come out, come to me, you right. know, all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest, take my yoke upon me. Will we trade 
Um, the, the gospel reading this week is about Jesus saying, pick up your cross and follow me. And there's a lot of trust that goes in into that. Right. Which is there's a lot of trust here for Ruth. Yeah. There's, uh, yeah. Anyhow. There's a lot of trust. And at the same time, she it's the who is she listening to or what is she listening to? Because she's not listening to Naomi. Like Naomi keeps telling her to go back, go back home, return home, return home. And Ruth is like, that's not my invitation like, even though you're saying it, you keep repeating it to me, something in her bones said, my invitation is to go with you, is to return with you, not to return to my people, but to return with you. And Elijah and Elisha are working out this trope, or Ruth is working out that, like, that whole notion of, like, go, but the going is, you know, is, is Naomi really saying don't go? Or is Naomi, sorry, is Naomi really saying go? Or is Naomi making sure they really want to go with? Because it's a big ask. And yeah. so doing it out of a obligation is is a terrible, would be a terrible, it would be a terribly unfirm sure. motivator yeah. for what's to happen. So, yeah. right, if, if Ruth doesn't really think this through, Orpah doesn't really think this through, and they go... And then suddenly they're like in Bethlehem, they're like, oh my gosh. Like, what have I done? Right. Yeah. Like, have they counted the cost sort of like this don't come, don't come, don't come forces you to count the scenario and go, I'm going. Right. Or I'm, you know, uh, maybe I'm not so committed. And actually that's, I'm, I hadn't thought of that yet. Uh, accompanied by her two daughter-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and they set out on the road back to the land of Judah. So it's after they set out <laughs> that Naomi says to the daughters, turn back each of you, right? It's not, she doesn't go, hey, I'm leaving, go home. Right. There's a setting out and then somewhere, what was it one step into the journey? Is it halfway? I don't know. Um, but, but it happens after the first step takes place. Right. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah. One of the reasons I don't mind that we did a lot of like, we stayed in the first couple of verses pretty heavily today is because it sets the tone so then i feel like we can kind of move a little more quickly along because we're just, we have this repeated shoving go back shoe my daughters um you know sorry i'm going to go back a little bit so like 10 but with you so they say we will go back we will return with you to your people um and naomi says shoe my daughters why should you go with me and then this the sons and Again, shuv, my daughters, go, for I'm too old. And then, for whatever reason that we don't know, that's enough for Orpah. And we're told she kisses her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her. Uh, as you were reading that, I kept thinking of Peter, right? Never will I leave you, Lord. Never will I leave you. Uh, and then Peter heads home. Yeah. I mean, right? He... He ends up fishing again at the end of John. So right. he, he, in a very understandable way, uh, reverts back to what he's always known. And again, Jesus doesn't leave him there. He goes out and he meets him and he brings him back through all of the things again and again and asks some questions and restores him. And I just love this idea that like the future's never settled. You're, you're pat, you are never stuck. You can always shoot. You can always return. You can always come home. And God is constantly not just back at home yelling like, hey, you, right? Like not just waiting, but with us. The entire time, beckoning, saying, come home, return, I'm here, I've never right. left you. But we also have something to do in that. We have a, there's a turning that needs to happen. There's a 
there's a turning we have to make to return home. What are you looking up? Um, I was looking at the word cleave or clung. Mm. Ruth clung to her and just, I mean, cleave is not really a word we use in our modern English, but to cling or to follow hard mm. after a thing. Like I think about, a, you know, an athlete clinging hard to their goal that you follow hard after it mm. or anyone who sets their mind on like a major goal. And you just, you cling hard to it. You do everything you can to pursue it. As you're saying that I, again, now we're just down the rabbit hole, but Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of Psalm 23 at the very end. Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. And that word, the word follow there is, um, it's not like, right? It is pursue. It is persecute. It is, there's this way in which God the following God does in our life yeah. is not a um, half follow. Yeah. I mean, there's ways in which we're not forced, but God is not. Well, in the in how Ruth's great, great, great grandson will talk about it, right? The psalmist, David, the king, it is a, it is a, a loyal love. It is a goodness that is running after us, coming after us, chasing us down. Yeah. And... It's just beautiful how we see the Moabite exemplifying God's love in this. Yeah. Like I'm I'm reading Ruth's words, do not urge me to leave you, to turn back and not follow you for wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Um, your people shall be my people. I'm hearing, right, like like John 1, the word became flesh and dwelled among us. I'm hearing again, Jesus again at the gospels at the end. Surely I'm with you always. I'm hearing John 15, abide in me and I will abide in you, right? Remain in my love and my love will remain in you. This, we, we have Ruth who seems to be so Christ-like. Yeah. Yeah. And where'd she get it from? Like, where, like, I love that. Like, where did it come from? Yeah. Questions. Questions. Yeah, I, I've, I've been curious about that too. And you, like, part of me wonders: Did she get it from Naomi? Right. Like ten years or whatnot of living with this woman. In bitter, deep difficulties. Yeah. In loss. Right. It's not like she's living with Naomi in ten years of plenty. Right. Right. These are the bad years. Right. These are the ones you wish you could forget or that you maybe wish you could just cut out of your life. I love, um, so when Ruth starts her speech, she says, do not entreat me to forsake you, to shove from you. Because she keeps, Naomi keeps saying, you know, shove, go back to your family, go back to your family. And what she's really asking them is to go, to turn away from me. Because to go towards one thing means to turn your back on another. And usually we think about that, you know, when when we are shoving or returning and repenting, we're we're turning from something bad and back to God and back to the right path or the right way of living. But here Naomi's asking them to turn away from her. So in asking them to go home, like it sounds positive you're asking them to go do a thing. To return to their families where they have more opportunity and more life potentially. But Ruth sees that as you're asking me to turn from you. 
Mm. In returning to my family, you're asking me to to turn from you. And that's not something I'm willing to do. Well, it's, I'm looking here at it right in the, well, she tells them to go back to their mother's house, not their father's house. Yeah, I know. It's a very female centric book. Right. Which is rare. Yeah. Yeah, to turn to the house, uh, the house of, of, of their mother, yep. their Ema. And there's also, we pro- we won't get to it today, but we'll get to it next week. But there's a very feminine name for God that comes up in this uh, in this book. Which so, one? Oh, Come I'm on, gonna spoil sa- I'm gonna it. Save it for next uh, week. Dirty. <laughs> Most people don't know that it's actually really feminine, so that'll be fun for next week. Where did we stop? I think we stopped at the end of Ruth's speech. So, which. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Thus and more may the Lord do to me if anything but death parts me from you. Mm-hmm. And then when Naomi saw how determined she was to go with her, she ceased to argue. She doesn't agree. She just is like, man. <laughs> Fine. She's like, uh. And then the two went on until they reached the house of bread. It's actually, she stops speaking to her. It's not even arguing. She just stops talking to her. She stops talking? Yes. Literally ceased it's to speak. Bar. Presumably yeah. saying no more on the topic. Like, uh, we're done. I've been there with my children. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's better to just shut your mouth. Yep, I'm done. We're done talking there's, about this. There's the very spiritual ending to the conversation. Sometimes <laughs> just shut your mouth. <laughs> I mean, amen. I, I'd take that for me. Yep. Uh, sometimes I just need to... I'm yeah. doing it. I'm shutting my... Sometimes I just need to... <laughs> I feel like that might be a great place to wrap up. All right. Part two... Part three next week? Part three next week, which we'll finally finish chapter one, hopefully. No, we will. Good pace. Yeah. Good, good pace. Yep. All right. Well. So, all right. See you next week. See you next week.